peaceful, regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking about what's going on in New Mexico with uh, Zachary Ford from the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association. Yeah, um, New Mexicans Against Gun Violence holding a, uh, well, they were supposed to hold a uh, gun buyback, quote-unquote. Uh, instead, the uh, city council in Farmington, New Mexico said, yeah, actually, we're not going to hold this after all. The uh, police kind of put this together with this gun control group, didn't talk to us. There's a lot of citizen outrage over this. So instead, the gun control group says that uh, they went to various houses in the Farmington area and um, destroyed firearms, you know, that uh, people wanted to hand over. Now the question is, did they break New Mexico's universal background check law in doing so? We'll uh, talk about that with Zachary Fort in just a second, along with, by the way, uh, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's attempt to uh, put the Go Safe Act before the state legislature. They've got a 30-day session coming up in Santa Fe. Can the governor get the sweeping gun control bill through the uh, roundhouse? We'll talk again with Zach Ford about that in just one moment. Before we do, though, let's talk about this for a second. Joe Biden's America, it is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink, as you well know, every time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming out of the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-timing 5,000 winner, 2022 company of the year with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you contact them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855 412 3806. And now let's get to our conversation with Zach Fort of the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association, all about whether or not the uh, gun control groups in New Mexico, or at least one in particular, may have violated the very law they try to put on the books. Take a look and a listen. Zach, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's so good to talk to you today. Thanks for having me back. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was this was such a crazy story. I wanted to talk with you anyway, but uh, it sounds like there are even more developments since I asked you to uh, to come on. So, for folks who aren't aware, um, there was supposed to be a buyback, quote unquote, in Farmington, New Mexico, this past weekend. But apparently the city council wasn't aware that this was taking place, right? This was put together between the uh, Farmington police and uh, New Mexicans against gun violence. And when the city council uh, got wind of this because there were a lot of really ticked off residents. They said, all right, time out. We're not, we're not going to do this this weekend, right? Um, so what did the gun control group do instead, Zach? So after the city of Farmington backed out the event and said, you know, we're going to put the brakes on this, um, the gun control group decided they were just going to go up there and have an event by themselves. They were hand out gift cards and people are going to hand over firearms to them. Uh, however, you know, New Mexico, in some part, thanks to this very same gun control group, has criminalized private firearm sales. So giving a gift card to someone in return for them giving a gun 
And that's the sale of a firearm. So try to claim that they, quote unquote, destroyed the firearms. Um, if your listeners are not aware, the ATF has very specific requirements around what it means to destroy a firearm. There's the ATF website. They're very easy to find. And the ATF is very clear that unless a firearm is destroyed according to the exact specifications set by the ATF, it is still a firearm under federal law. That's all on the ATF website. This group did not destroy the firearms according to uh, ATF guidelines. So it was still a firearm that they gave somebody a gift card for. Uh, based on their own, this is all based on their own statements to the media and their own posts on social media. That's what we're going off of, is everything that they themselves have admitted to publicly. So it appears that this group violated a law that they themselves lobbied for. Unbelievable. So, you know, and it's funny because this, the issue of, of how a gun is destroyed has actually uh, gotten some national attention, right? The New York Times ran a uh, big uh, investigation uh, about a week or so ago talking about uh, companies like Gunbusters, right? And so when a gun gets turned over to Gunbusters, they say, we'll destroy the firearm for you free of charge. Um, what they do, and they they comport with the ATF requirements, right? So they destroy the frame or receiver, which is the part of the firearm that the ATF considers to be the actual firearm. And then they take the other components, whether it's the slide or the grips or whatever, and they'll turn around and they'll resell um, those gun parts after having destroyed the actual firearm. What what did the gun control group do to claim that they were destroying these guns? And where did they go wrong, Zach? So what they tried to do is they use a simple like buzz saw or chop saw uh, to cut the firearm one time. That is not in compliance with ATF rules. And in fact, one of the pictures of a rifle that they claim to have quote-unquote destroyed, uh, it appears that the bolt of the rifle may have still been intact, that they may have actually created a and just cut the barrel of a rifle and call it destroyed. That's actually a short-barreled rifle and quite some, it's, it's very different than being destroyed. It becomes a very unique object in its own right. Um, so you can't just cut a firearm somewhere and call it destroyed. You have to follow the exact ATF uh, regulations, which by their own admission and the statements they've made to the media and on social media, uh, they did not comply with those ATF regulations. Okay, so so who um, who would prosecute any violations of, of this law uh, if, in fact, a violation occurred? Did this does this go up to the attorney general, uh, Raul Torres, a Democrat? Is this something that the uh, local prosecuting attorney in the county where Farmington is located would handle? Uh, what if, if a case is going to be made here, who's going to prosecute this? Well, this is where it actually gets even more interesting. Is so this the San Juan County Sheriff's Department has publicly said they've opened an investigation into this matter because they they kind of agree with our assessment that based uh, based on the group has said. However, when the San Juan County Sheriff's Department contacted them to get more details from this gun control group, the gun control group allegedly told them to talk to the attorney as though the attorney general was actually what the attorney general is going to do. So if somehow the gun control group is referring people to the attorney general um, on this. So there's, we're, it's currently unclear if anyone's going to get prosecuted. And quite frankly, our position is that this law is useless. Uh, it doesn't make anybody safe. We really shouldn't have a law. So I don't want to see anyone prosecuted under criminalization of fire of private firearm sales in New Mexico. 
whether it's this group or anybody else, it's in habit. So I don't want to see anybody get prosecuted under that law. Yeah, well, I, listen, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I think that this is such a uh, an unworkable law to begin with, which is one of the reasons why, you know, again, any enforcement is going to come after the fact, right? And this is something that uh, gun control groups sort of uh, try to disguise, right? They say, well, if we just have this universal background check, uh, then, then you know, bad guys aren't going to be able to get a hold of guns. Now, this doesn't change anything about private transfers. At best, it is a charge that could be applied if an unlawful transfer is discovered to have taken place, as may be the case here, um, but it doesn't actually prevent any illicit uh, transfer of firearms, nor, nor does it prevent, I would say, any lawful transfers of firearms either, except to make them uh, unlawful if a, a family member wants to uh, to loan a gun to a friend or maybe a cousin who's not covered, right? Uh, you know, brothers, immediate family members might be covered, but your second cousin once removed, not going to be covered. Um so while while the uh, sheriff is investigating this, uh, and we'll see where this goes, um, obviously the gun control group is still doubling down, right? Insisting that they've done nothing wrong. Um, and I imagine that they're going to try to use this. <laughs> I don't know how it's, how it's going to shake out, but I imagine they've got to try to use this to what they would think is their advantage in terms of raising the profile about these compensated confiscation programs, not only in Farmington, but around the state. I know this is something that uh, Governor Grisham has also been uh, very much in favor of, right? The idea that uh, we can we can have these buybacks and uh, and boy, that's really going to improve public safety. Yeah, well, I think the ultimate irony here is this group tells us that tells the state and tells the governor that we don't have enough gun control laws. Yet we have thousands of state and federal laws that this group was not aware of, and this group may have actually violated multiple state and federal laws. Um, another instance that we discovered is they brought firearms uh, to a school campus that these were still legally considered firearms by the ATF under federal law. These are still guns. They brought them to a school campus and gave them to students for art projects. They did not destroy the firearms in accordance with ATF guidelines. They brought them to a school campus and destroyed and gave them to students. Um, so there's a whole litany of other potential uh, firearm law violations that occurred there. So we have, we like I said, we have thousands of gun control laws. We don't need more of them. Um, I know the governor likes to, I don't know if it gives these people like a warm fuzzy feeling to cut a gun in half. I mean, at the end of the day, a gun is wood, metal, and plastic. That's all that it is. Um, it's a very heavily regulated series of pieces of wood, metal, and plastic, but that's all that it is. And we really don't need more regulations because people pushing regulations don't even know what they are. And appears they may have actually violated uh, quite a few of those regulations that they don't even realize exist. Yeah. Um, sounds like maybe uh, the Bernalillo County Sheriff uh, might have to get involved here. Maybe the Albuquerque Police Chief based on uh, the, the guns going to school kids um, well, we'll definitely be following where this particular uh, story goes, Zach, because obviously this is not done yet. But, you know, we're also just a couple of weeks away from the start of the 2024 session. Uh, Governor Grisham has said she wants uh, lawmakers to pass a, a state version of the Go Safe Act, this bill that was introduced by uh, Martin Heinrich and Angus King that would treat all gas-operated uh, rifles as, uh, quote-unquote, assault weapons, right? And then that's what will be banned going forward. Um, this is a 30-day session in 2024, right? So I know the governor could always call lawmakers back for a special session. That's a possibility. But uh, but, but what are you hearing about the governor's uh, call to initiate this sweeping ban on firearms? What kind of reception is this getting from lawmakers in Santa Fe? 
So I think, you know, the, the people who have come out in favor of it are kind of, you know, the typical gun, the gun grabbing group um, that we know is very adamantly anti-Second Amendment. You know, they've been cheerleaders for the governor all along. They kind of marched the governor's uh, beat. So but at the same time, you know, the Mexicans across the state have not forgotten what the governor tried to do when she effectively tried to repeal the Second Amendment in Burlington County through an executive order. I which is still being, we're still fighting against that in the courts. We've had a lot of success so far. Her order is limited today to just playgrounds. Um, a judge said you can carry in parks, but not playgrounds, but that's where we're at today. Her order has been rescinded all the way back to just playgrounds. Uh, so she's been, the governor's been losing in the courts, so now she's trying uh, to do more stuff in the legislature. Uh, we're going to continue to fight against this. We're not going to, New Mexicans have not forgotten what she tried to do. I don't think there's any trust for on this issue, she's clearly uh, she thought that repealing the Second Amendment through executive order was constitutional. She said so in her court filings. Um, she clearly she clearly does not understand what the Constitution means, the weight of it, uh, the gravity of the situation. Uh, so she's just grasping at straws. Uh, you know, Heinrich's her her buddy Martin Heinrich, his bill appears likely dead in Washington D.C. So now she's trying to give him a second chance uh, here in New Mexico with this same bill. Um, it's putting. It's, you know, it's worded a little bit differently than other rifle bans past have been, but it's the same point. Uh, basically, they're trying to ban commonly owned, commonly owned constitutionally protected firearms uh, from people uh, who just want to be able to protect themselves. You know, New Mexico, we have had, we're in a crime crisis in a lot of ways, and this crime crisis really started around the time when she took office. That's when violent crime really started skyrocketing. And this entire time, instead of going after violent criminals who commit crimes with zero consequence in New Mexico, the governor has repeatedly attacked gun owners, uh, whether it's through in the courts, whether it is in through legislation, um, and really turned a blind eye to people actually committing crimes. And that's how we've gotten the situation to begin with. Because every single time you see a tragedy in New Mexico, there's a guaranteed storyline behind it. And that is someone who has committed a series of escalating crimes, yet has never faced any consequences uh, from anyone for doing it. And then they think that they crime has effectively become legal for them. Because if you, you shoot up a house and nothing ever happens to you, even if you get arrested for it, then why would you stop? And this is how we get into the situation where we are today, where we wait until somebody takes the life of another person before they ever see any consequences. So it has to stop. Um, you know, there's been some put, there has been a bipartisan push to start addressing that problem. But quite frankly, you know, the governor has not really been behind that. Um, and her ally, you know, Raul Torres, you know, he did stand against her on some of the executive order that she tried to push, but in large part, they they work in lockstep together. And he is actually a large part of this problem. He was the prosecutor in Burnley County where all this crime got out of control. He was there presiding over it, refusing to prosecute people when the crime crisis was escalating. And now they want to act like they're going to save everything by banning commonly owned constitutionally protected firearms. Um, it's ridiculous, um, but and we're going to fight against it. And and I'm glad that you are. Um, and I think that you're going to have a lot of allies. You know, I, I know that people might look at the uh, the legislative makeup and say, all right, well, Democrats are in control of both chambers. You got, a, a you know, obviously an anti-gunner in the uh, governor's mansion. But in New Mexico is not Massachusetts. Uh, New Mexico is not California. New Mexico is not New York State. Um, there are some pro-gun Democrats out there. There were uh, uh, Democrats who objected to the governor's uh, 10-day waiting period last session, uh, the semi-auto ban that she tried to impose last year as well. So gun owners in New Mexico, they should not feel like this is a, a done deal, right? I mean, there is uh, room to fight and there is every opportunity to to stop these bad bills from becoming terrible laws. 
You're exactly right. We stopped a rifle ban in 2023. It was introduced in the 60-day session. Uh, the governor was behind it, and we stopped it then, along with magazine bans. And uh, there was actually several rifle bans filed, along with magazine bans, too. We fought, we've defeated magazine bans several times. We've defeated rifle bans several times. The governor is going to be pushing very hard for this, but we've done this before. And if gun owners from across the state get involved, take action, we can stop this. Because that's how we've done this before is by getting people who ordinarily are not very politically involved. You know, maybe you just own guns for hunting. You aren't really that interested. But when you when we can start showing people, yes, you may only own this gun for hunting. And that's kind of your primary use for it. But, but you could go to jail for owning it. That's when people start paying attention, start getting involved. And when you when we see like the outpouring that we've seen prior years, where people from across the political spectrum, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, third other other third parties get involved, and you see just how many people this would impact and how many people get involved, that's when we can really make the change that we need to. That's what we've done in the past. That's what we're going to try to do again this year. But it's really going to be on gun owners from across the state of New Mexico. It doesn't matter if your representative is Republican or Democrat or independent. Um, you need to let them know that you're not going to stand for this. Because even what I, one of the things I tell people to, even if you can't necessarily change their heart on the issue, uh, I've heard some very progressive Democrats actually make some pretty intelligent comments about this issue and say, you know, I'm not really sure this would work under Bruin, things like that. So when we can show like, you know, someone may be a very liberal law professor uh, who disagrees with us, very strongly disagrees with us philosophically, but they say, you know what? isn't going to work under Bruin because I've read the decision and understand what it means. So when we can start having those conversations that don't give up on your lawmaker just because they may be a progressive Democrat or something like that, that we, we've we worked a lot with a lot of different people from across the spectrum. There's a, There are some solidly pro-gun Democrats in New Mexico, but also even the ones who aren't pro-gun, some of them would actually, you might be surprised by some of the comments they make and some of the positions that they kind of realize uh, when we show them the evidence, uh, both from you know studies about these different laws and what's happening in the courts. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, one way that uh, folks can stay involved, um, join the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association, at least sign up for the uh, email alerts, because I'm sure that when this 30 day session begins, you know, things are going to be happening very quickly. Will you be keeping members uh, alerted to the, you know, the latest developments there at the legislature? Absolutely. Sign up for our free email alerts at nmssa.org. Uh, those are totally free. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We will be posting stuff in real time as it happens in Santa Fe. They will be sending out alerts uh, sometimes daily about what's going on in Santa Fe, giving people a daily recap of what's happening. Um, we're also, you know, we're going to be all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So please, those alerts are totally free. You do not need to be a member. We want everyone in our state to be on that alert list because we want everyone to know what's happening. So that's at our website, nmssa.org. All right, Zach, listen, if we don't talk uh, before the new year, hope you have a very happy new year. I know we'll be talking again very soon. Uh, and uh, I am looking forward to seeing what, uh, if anything, comes from the uh, investigations into New Mexicans against gun violence and their uh, alleged violations of the universal background check law. Zach Ford with the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association. Thank you for everything you do. Thanks for your time today and look forward to doing this again very soon. All right. Merry Christmas. Thanks. For Thanks you on. too, Zach. Merry Christmas. My thanks to Zach for joining us on the program, and uh, we're going to be paying very close attention not only to what's going on with the uh, uh, gun, quote-unquote, buybacks, the compensated confiscation programs in New Mexico, but, again, with uh, Governor Grisham's attempt to pass a sweeping gun ban through the uh, state legislature. Right now, let's turn our attention, though, to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our our uh, 
Armed Citizen Report. Actually, before we do that, though, let's talk about this for just one second. Joe Biden's America. Yeah, it is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. And a digital dollar could be coming on the pipeline that could completely destroy our way of life. Truth is, you need a plan. You know it and I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. Right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you contact them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now, let's get to our uh, armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report will start there. With a headline from the website CWB Chicago, man released on fourth day of cashless bail, carjacked and robbed two men at gunpoint just a few weeks later, according to prosecutors in Cook County. That's right. While uh, lawmakers in Illinois are going after, you know, law-abiding gun owners with uh, bans on large-capacity magazines and so-called assault weapons, uh, they're going easy on criminals, or at least those suspected of a uh, crime, uh, including one Sebastian Perez, who back in September, September 24th to be exact, the fourth day that cashless bail was in effect in Illinois, Perez showed up before Judge Lindsey Jones in Chicago on charges of aggravated possession of a stolen motor vehicle, as well as aggravated fleeing from police. Uh, Jones uh, sent Perez home with instructions to stay out of trouble and show up for his next court appearance. A little more than a month later, according to uh, Cook County prosecutors, Perez carjacked and robbed two men at gunpoint, then posted a video of himself with the vehicle's license plates within minutes, boasting, quote, we got keys to this bleep. Yeah. Now the 20-year-old is at the Cook County Jail. Judge Charles Beach ordered him detained as a public safety threat following a hearing on the robbery and carjacking allegations over the weekend. Yeah, 53 days after he was uh, arrested and cut loose. Uh, authorities say Perez and another man confronted two brothers who were entering a uh, 2013 Infiniti G37. The uh, brothers, aged 19 and 20, also uh, had their wallets, phones, credit cards stolen in the uh, carjacking. Cops located the uh, car within 24 hours at the time of its discovery. Perez was behind the wheel, according to the uh, judge. The investigation of the carjacking continued, and police uh, secured a search warrant for Perez's phone. That's where they saw the video of him uh, with the license plate in the background uh, stating, we got the keys to this. Bleep, bleep. Yeah. So there you go. Cashless bail working out oh so well. Uh, SCWB uh, Chicago notes an interesting twist. The 20-year-old carjacking's victim uh, so, social media profile shows him smiling broadly alongside uh, Cook County Chief Judge Timothy Evans, a champion of bail reform. I wonder if the victim is still smiling now. Today's uh, good, uh, well, uh, we'll get to the good deed in just a second. Today's armed citizen story, actually the second such story that I've run across today. Uh, we uh, covered this at Bearing Arms uh, earlier today. A um, woman in Casper, Wyoming, defending her family from a pair of home invaders. Now we've got this headline out of uh, Wasilla, Alaska. A man who broke into Wasilla home shot and killed by a woman defending her husband according to uh, Alaska troopers. So this happened uh, Sunday morning. 22-year-old uh, Justice Bowden Martinez allegedly forced entry through the home sliding glass door in an attempted burglary. Uh, Bowden Martinez, a resident of Houston, 
Uh, did not know the couple who lived at the house. Both of the residents were home at the time, but they were apparently not immediately aware of his uh, presence. Um, but a fight broke out when they noticed Boden Martinez around 9 o'clock Sunday morning. The man who lived at the home was stabbed in the arm during the fight. His wife then grabbed a gun and shot Bodan Martinez in defense of her husband. But Martinez passed away at the scene. The man who was stabbed was treated at a hospital for a wound that uh, troopers described as not life-threatening. Investigators at the scene say the evidence consistent with an act of self-defense. But the investigation does continue. We'll uh, give you any more details as they become available. Finally today, in the right place at the right time, unable to do the right thing. We Actually, this is an update for you on a, a story that we talked about earlier. Back on Thanksgiving Day, a 97-year-old man was saved from his burning home by two police officers in Hatboro, Pennsylvania. And now that 97-year-old has been able to reunite with the officers who saved his life. He is uh, out of the hospital. He is doing okay. And uh, just a couple of days ago, had an opportunity to say thank you to the officers in person. Uh, Fox 29 in uh, Pennsylvania covered the story. Um, 97-year-old Joe Keegan says he would not be here if it were not for the heroic actions of the two uh, police officers there in Hatboro, PA, he said that they gave up their own lives to save an old man. One grabbed my ankles, the other grabbed my wrist. They drove me down the steps. The sweetest ride I ever had, he said. It was just before 3 o'clock Sunday morning, on Thanksgiving morning when Sergeant Aaron Simon and Officer Rob McMahon got a call about a fire. They uh, broke through the back door of the home, then ran into the burning house, rescued Keegan from his bedroom on the second story, the officers receiving a special commendation from Hatboro, PA, and uh, Joe Keegan, again, had the chance to express his gratitude in person. He says, I don't know where they were, but God sent them. Uh, two newspaper delivery drivers who were the first to call 911 also were honored and praised by the officers who, uh, they say, put us in the right place at the right time. Uh, the 97-year-old son's, uh, 97-year-old's son, Joseph Keegan, also at this event, where the uh, officers and the uh, newspaper delivery drivers were honored. And he said, you know, seeing the officers now, I'm getting emotional. He says, back then I was like, oh, thank God he's alive. But now meeting them and everything, I'm holding the tears back. Well, again, I, this was a uh, very stressful Thanksgiving, I am sure, for the Keegan family. But uh, hopefully this is going to be a Christmas to remember, not only for the Keegans, but for the officers involved again in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a 97-year-old man. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back with you again tomorrow for the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But you don't have to wait until then. Just check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you covered on all of the latest stories that impact your right to keep and bear arms, as well as, you know, some other stories like the uh, stupid criminals out there. Not all of them are, uh, you know, Einsteins, but uh, we've got some interesting stories related to uh, uh, violent crime, criminals, those, again, who would target you, and why you need to be able to protect yourself by exercising your right to keep and bear arms. Until we talk again, have a great rest of your 2A Tuesday. We'll see you back here soon. Be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs>